0: We get ready for the Word of God today. I'm excited for this Word. This Word, this Word brought a lot of conviction to my life and faith at the same time. So, as we get ready for this Word today, we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter twelve, verse one through sixteen. We're going to read this whole passage here. Acts chapter twelve, beginning at verse one through sixteen. The word of God says, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church and tended to persecute them, to persecute them, sorry. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. And This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After notices, arresting him, he put him into prison handing him over to the guard by four squads of soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for the public trial after Passover. But Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial. That very night. How many of you love when God waits the very last minute? Amen? Alright, that night before Herod was to bring him to trial. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And notice the guard stood guard there in the entrance. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in that cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chain fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, Put your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him. Peter followed him through the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Other translations say he thought he was dreaming. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. And they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him, And Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt the Lord sent His angels and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance. A servant girl named Rhoda, here's the important part. Peter knocked in the outside entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed. She ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter, is at the door. And notice the response of the people in verse 15. You're out of your minds, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be an angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were stunned. Let me read this again. You're out of your mind, they told her. And I want to preach to you this morning on this very subject. Faith like Rhoda. That was her name. And it's important because the Bible mentions her by name. Her name was Rhoda. She was a servant girl. And if the Bible puts your name in the Bible, there's a lesson to be learned. Many people don't know who Rhoda is because it's not some woman like Eve who was the first human. Wasn't Mary who gave birth to Jesus? Wasn't Esther who saved the nation of all the Jewish people? It wasn't Deborah, a mighty warrior. Her name was Rhoda. And no one knows who she is, but she teaches us how to have faith and prayer. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. Help us to understand it, apply it to our lives. Help me teach. Give us wisdom. And how to have faith like Rhoda. Who is she, with? Why is she so important? What does she teach us? Holy Spirit, please show us. In Jesus' name. Now all God's people said, Amen. You guys can have a seat. I can get into this, <clears throat> this word this morning. It was a difficult time if you were a Christian at this time, because Herod II, he'd ordered for all Christians to be killed. He ordered for all Christians to either be burned alive, imprisoned or murdered on the streets. It was a time that many Christians and believers the church had just started, but many believers were already being persecuted. And Herod ordered the death of all the Christians. There was such an anti-Christ movement at this period of time. There was this movement where Christianity was to be stopped. It's very much like a movement that we see today in our country. as that many people want to put an end to God. They want to put an end to the Word of God. They want to put an end to prayer, an end to the church, an end to Christianity and Jesus' life. And this is a time that if you were a Christian, you were hiding. If you were a Christian, you were afraid for your life. You were afraid for your family. Because you would come to church and they would say, hey, where's Bill? Oh, you didn't hear, they got him. Hey, where's Susie at? Oh, she was murdered. Hey, where's Tom? Oh, Tom was captured and burned alive. The church was dying physically. Physically. People were being arrested and murdered and killed and burned and everyone was after Christians. It got so bad that the Bible says that even James was captured and killed. James was murdered. And now they have Peter. And Peter was to stand before trial to be killed. It was a time of hopelessness. Maybe you can relate to this because this was a time that it was during the Passover. In other words, this was during the holidays. This is when families got together and they sat at the dinner table and remember the promises of God and remember the stories and everything that God did. It was a time to reflect on how God good is. This was a time where everyone would give thanks to God, so you might as well call this the holidays. It was a busy time. It was a time of thanksgiving. It was a time where they celebrated family and God, but it was a difficult time. And let me tell you that even now during these holidays where we get busy and we get bombarded with family and food and traditions, there's a lot of people during the holidays that are feeling hopeless right now. Amen? There's a lot of people during the holidays that feel lonely. There's a lot of people during the holidays like these Christians that are afraid, they're confused, they're discouraged. They don't know what's going to happen in their life. They didn't know what's next. Are we going to make it? Are we going to survive? Hey, where's God in all of this? We gave our lives to Jesus and all we got is persecution. We gave our lives to Christ and all we get is jail and Murder. Where is God in all of this? And if you've ever asked yourself, where is God and what is God doing? And I don't understand why God's doing this. You are very much not far off where these people felt. They didn't know what was next. Time was difficult. Time was tough. But here's the thing, church. All they could do was pray. Listen. All they could do was pray. And sometimes in our lives, you're not going to have the answers. You're not going to have the solution, the power, nor the strength. And sometimes in life, all you can do is pray. I was hoping to get a bigger amen on that. Let me say it one more time. Sometimes all you can do. Is pray. You pray. As cliche as it sounds, just pray. Sometimes prayer is all you have, but sometimes prayer is all you need. What I love about this passage is Rhoda, who teaches us. How to have faith in prayer. How many of you are praying for something right now? Show me your hands. How many of you are praying for someone? Show me your hands. How many of you have stopped praying because you don't think it's going to happen? Show me your hands. It's okay, be honest, okay? How to have faith like Rhoda. First of all, look at verse 5 with you, church. So Peter was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly what? Praying. Notice what the Bible says during this difficult time that Christians were being persecuted. That Christians were dying. The Bible says, number one, the church got together to pray. The first lesson I want to teach you today is prayer is not always done alone. You need a church. You need a church family. There's this idea now that you can have church online. And if you're listening online, I'm not judging you, but I'm telling you right now, you've got to be in a physical place of worship. Can I get a witness today? You have to have a church family. You cannot have church by yourself. Many people say, I can just watch it online. I can go and watch it at my home. I can do my own service. You need church. Why? Because God created the church because you need church. Come to your neighbor and nudge them and say, hey, you need me like you need church. Go ahead and tell them. We are a church. We need each other. Why? Because life is hard, and you can't do it without God, and you can't do it without your church. You need a church family. That will stand with you when you're feeling the resistance of life that will stand with you when you're going through great difficulty that will stand with you and do nothing but pray when you're going through hopelessness and and you're going through pain you need a church and i don't know why or how this happened but during intense times of persecution and trial they got together as a church if anyone had an excuse not to go to church was these people, because they were being murdered. And if you're looking for Christians, what's the first place you're going to look? In the church. But they said, no, we're not going to let our government stop us. We're not going to let the culture hinder us. We're not going to let the law prevent us. We are going to stand together as a church and have some church. Can we have some church today? They got together as a church with no excuse because the Bible says do not neglect the gathering of believers. Do not neglect church. Church is not just something you do on Sunday to check off your box. Church is a life. A lifestyle and family that were there for one another. They got together to pray. The two things that get neglected the most in our busy life is prayer and church. The two things you need the most to survive in this life are the two things we often put behind us, neglect, and don't really make an effort. And I'm not talking about you pray because there's a big turkey in front of you. I'm talking about you take the time to shut the phone off, to go somewhere in hiding, to lock yourself in a room, to get on your knees and pray To a God that listens. To a God that we need. Prayer for the impossible. Prayer for the lost. Prayer for revival. Prayer for miracles. Prayer where the carpet is wet from the tears. The knees are hurting from bending. Your back gets tied from being in position. Falling at the face of God. Prayer is needed. And prayer is neglected. Church and prayer. They got together. and said, we can't do anything. What are we going to do about Peter? I don't know. What's going to happen to us? I don't know. What if we die? What if? What if nothing gets changed? What if we go to jail? What if? What if? What are we going to do? And someone said, "Uh, let's just pray. Let's see what happens. You never know what God can do in your life. If you just pray. Philippians 4, 6-7. Here's a verse for you. Do not be anxious about anything. And I studied that word hard. The word anything in the Greek literally means not a thing, not a person. Not a thing, not a person. Say that with me. Not a thing, not a person. If you're worried about a person right now, you're violating the Word of God. If you're worried about something right now, you are in direct disobedience to the Word of God. This verse was not written as a suggestion. This verse was written as a commandment. Thou shalt not worry. Thou shalt not have anxiety. When you have anxiety and fear and worry, for your life, your future, a person tomorrow, what's going to happen, what if you are telling God I don't trust you and the Bible is clear, do not be anxious about anything there's a lot of anxiety going on in the world today, there's a lot of worry and fear, but the Bible says do not worry about anything, but in everything in your life, everything by prayer and petition, giving God your request, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's the promise. In the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, which is your emotions, and your mind, which is your thoughts. And I want to tell you right now, if you're miserable, depressed, discouraged, or afraid, is because one of these two things or both are driving you right now your emotions or your mind, your thoughts or your feelings. And the reason you feel the way you feel is because you feel the way you feel. You feel afraid, you feel discouraged. So you are afraid and you are discouraged. You think the worst. How many of you are the worst thought thinkers in the church? Come on. Show me worst case scenario, that's what's gonna happen. I know it. Where are my people at? Worst case scenario, I know it's gonna happen. You think the worst, that's why you are the worst. You're around people and you're trying, people try to encourage you, and you're the one that brings them down. You're the one that tells them why not because your thoughts are filled with the worst case scenario. You don't think about the goodness of God. You don't think about miracles. You don't think about the word. You think about what the government said, what you watched on the news, what your friends are telling you, the opinions of others, and your mind and your emotions are driving you to a place of utter discouragement. And God said, enough of that. If you would just pray for everything, Everything in your life is controlled by God. He says, if you pray, I will give you my peace. What does he mean by that? Right now, as the world falls apart and we go through wars and inflation and housing crisis and everything all around us, God right now is on the throne in control and total peace. Total peace. And he says, my peace. I can give you if you just pray. Prayer is not done alone. should not be only done alone. It's done together as a church. You need to surround yourself with believers and say, hey, pray for me. Can I stab you with conviction today a little bit? This is the first dagger, a little one. Don't ever lie and tell someone, I'll pray for you if you don't mean it. Guilty anyone? Just me? Don't ever say, someone says, hey, my backer, oh, I'll pray for you. Hey, I'll pray for that. I'll pray for them. And you go home like nothing happened. Do not promise anyone the power of prayer and not deliver. You make sure that whenever you utter the words, I will pray for you that you find the time to lock yourself in a room and say, Lord, I promised so-and-so I would pray and here I am. I don't know what they're going through or how they feel. I don't even know what to pray, but I surrender them unto your hand. Give them peace, give them wisdom, give them courage. I don't know what to pray, but I'm praying, Lord, because I told them I would pray. We are as a church and exist together not only to fellowship and eat, which we eat a lot in this church, but we come to pray and be together. But here's the truth about prayer. It's not always seen. Let me explain. The church got together. They didn't know what they were going to do about their situation. What they were going to do about Peter. But as they were praying, as they were together in the church praying, God was on the other side. Breaking chains, opening prison doors, shining light in the darkness, rescuing Peter from the prison cell. But church, let's put our thinking caps on. Did the church know that was happening? Church, what do you think? No. That's why when you're praying and you don't see anything, it does not mean God is doing nothing. You never know what God is doing on the other side of your situation. You never know what God is doing on the other side of your problem. And just because you pray and you don't see results doesn't mean results aren't happening. God is at work even when you feel like he's not. God is at work even when you don't see it. I told Jericho this morning, God reminds me of a duck. She's like, what? Like a duck. He reminds me of a duck. She's like, why? I said, well, because when I go to the backyard and I go to the lake, I see ducks. And when I go for my walk, I see ducks. And they're in the water. And they're just there. They're not moving. They're just standing still. But that's what I see. But underneath the water, underneath the surface, their little feet are like flapping all the time. And they're fighting off fish. And they're fighting the current. And what I see is nothing. I see the duck just standing there doing nothing. But underneath the surface, that duck is fighting things you don't even know about. And he's going against the current, but he's going. And I said, when I see a duck, I see God. Why? Because on the top of the surface, it's going to look like God is doing nothing. Like God is just standing there. God isn't moving. But underneath the surface, you never know the battles God has fought for you. You don't know the miracles that he's done. You don't know what he's doing underneath the surface. Don't judge God by what you do not see. God is like a duck, people. You might think He's just there watching you suffer, but underneath the spiritual realm in the surface, He's moving. He's moving when you don't see it. The church was praying, but nothing was happening. They didn't know that God was actually doing something. They had no idea that their prayers were being answered. They had no idea that Peter was being saved. They had no idea the miracles because they couldn't see it. But this is why I tell you, church, keep praying. Keep praying. Because they didn't know, just like we're not going to know, that God was moving. You're tired. You're scared. You're angry. You might be faced with an impossible situation. Pray. But I don't see anything happening. Pray. But I don't think it's working. Pray. But it's impossible. Pray. Pray for real church. Don't don't pray these little nice prayers. Pray bold and pray honest. Because you have a relationship with God. And in reverence and respect, you go to God boldly. The Bible says, come to His throne boldly. For you come with reverence don't be like these cool or What's up, God? How are you? No, you have to give Him respect. But you go to God and don't say, how about thou, Father, do it today? I thank you, Lord, because of your sovereignty and your... Gra-. Listen, you don't talk like that. You approach the God that we serve with reverence and fear but with a boldness and an honesty that says, God, I need you. God, I'm angry. God, I'm scared. God, I need a miracle. God, I can't do it anymore. And God, it stands there listening to those prayers. Bold and honest. Let me help you with some bold and honest prayers according to what we just read. Can I do that today? Can you guys wake up a little? Yes. Amen. All right, good. Number one, the Bible says the church was praying. But as they were praying, number one, the Bible says a light came in the cell and lit it up because in that cell that Peter was in was complete and utter darkness. One of the bold prayers you can pray right now is, Lord, I need light. I need light. I need guidance. I can't see where I'm going. I don't know what to do. I don't know. Bring light to this situation. Bring light to this circumstance. Bring some light to this problem, Lord. What do I do? Do I invest or not? Do I say yes or no? Do I go or not? Do I stay? Do I go up or do I go down? Lord, I need some light because right now it's dark and I don't know what to do about this, Lord. I boldly ask for light in this darkness. What do I do, God? you think God's going to sit there and say, I don't know. He's a duck. He's going to fight to give you direction. How many need some light right now? Pray for it. Thank you, Kevin. He just did it right now. You couldn't wait for the sermon to end. Okay, cool. (laughs) Here's my favorite prayer. The Bible says not only light shone in that cell, but the angel struck Peter and woke him. That word strike, it doesn't mean like, Peter, wake, you, wake, you, wake up, time to go. It was an angel showed up and hit him so hard he woke up. Let me tell you a prayer you can pray. Lord, would you hit this person so hard they wake up from their sin? Lord, would you strike this person so hard they change their life? Don't just sit there and fake and say, Lord, pray, I pray you help them, Lord. You know what you got to do? you got to get on your Christian knees, right? And say, Lord, just don't kill them. But strike them so hard that they go woke. That they wake up. Because you know, let me tell you something, church. Peter was a little bit too comfortable in that jail cell, wasn't he? He was just sitting down there sleeping. How do you sleep at a time like this? He got comfortable with his situation. Maybe there's a person in your life that's gotten a little bit too comfortable in their sin, too comfortable in their circumstance. Someone that keeps hurting you, someone you want to see changed, someone you want to see saved, someone you want to see delivered, someone that you want to see God work. Don't just say, Lord, I pray you bring them to church. Lord, I pray that you say, Listen, some people need to get struck. Amen? Some people need to fall hard. Some people need to go through so much pain and hit rough bottom that they wake up and get up and get free from God. So you get on your knees and pray and say, Lord, strike them. And set them free. The Bible says when Peter woke up, he got up. That's another prayer you can pray. Lord, I need you to get me up. Because God, to be honest, I'm discouraged. Lord, I'm lazy. I've been complacent. Lord, I need Your help and I'm praying that You get me up from this Because i got places to go, and i got to see you move, Lord. Get me up. Another thing you can pray is, as he got up, the chains fell. You can pray for deliverance. You can pray for freedom. You can pray for bondage to break that's been in your family, that's been a curse, that's plagued your life for years. You can say, in the name of Jesus, break these chains, God. Set me free. And when the chains fell, the Bible says the door open by itself, meaning you can pray for the Lord to open doors that only God can open and no man can shut. Pray for opportunities. Say, Lord, open doors for me to walk through that only you can open. Let me calm down. Because I get excited with this. Peter thought he was dreaming and didn't realize that what was happening to him was real. And I read that. I got on my knees and I said, Lord, forgive me. And he said, why, David? Because I don't dream anymore. Lord, I want you to do things in my life that are so real that I feel I'm dreaming. When was the last time you told God to make your dreams a reality. Peter thought he was dreaming. But what good is a dream if it never happens? God doesn't want you to dream. God wants you to live in reality, a reality that looks like you're dreaming. We have all these churches now. God's going to give you dreams and dreams and dreams. I don't want dreams. I want God to do things in my life so amazing, so real, that I think I'm dreaming. And God says, no, David, it's real. Come on, give God praise today. He doesn't just want to give you dreams. Do you dream of your family coming to Christ? Do you dream of yourself getting that promotion? Do you dream of marriage? Do you dream... Say, Lord, make my dreams real. The problem is that God, you say, God, you're taking too long. God does take long sometimes, I feel, because the Bible says the very night He was going to stand on trial to die. And I read that and I said, Well, why do you do that? Why do you wait for the last possible minute to break through? And that's when it might feel like God is taking too long in your life. But church, you've got to remember something about God. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean He's not working. And just because He's working doesn't mean it's going to happen right now. You've got to be patient. And you got to trust Him because we serve a God that says I'm a God of order. I do things at the right time, at the right place. I do things in order. And this is the part about God that a lot of us wrestle. Look at Psalm 37:23. The steps, everyone say steps. Yeah. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And He delights in His way. His. What? His way. The Bible says that the steps of a good man, your steps, are ordered by God. God is a God of work. The word steps there in Hebrew literally means process. So God's saying, I'm a God of process. I don't do things right away when you ask. I'm going to put you through a process. The process is step by step. One step at a time. Do you know why so many people's lives are a mess? It's because we don't do it His way, we do it our way. And we want it now, we want it fast, we want it easy. And then you're going to start praying and say, Lord, help me, I I made a mess of my life. And God says, of course you did, because you did things outside of my order. It's about to get real here, brace yourself. God is a God of order. A God of process. But as a person, when you do, can you put that one more time, Gabby, that verse? When you do things, he says, and he delights in his what? His way. Listen, when you delight in your way, and you do things yourself, and you do things in your timing, and you do things outside of your order, get ready when you do things outside of the order of God, it only brings disorder in your life. Let me say that one more time. When you do things outside of the order of God, you are guaranteed the disorder in life. That's why we have so many people living a life of disorder. Because you've chosen to do it your way instead of praying and trusting the process. You want some examples? Okay, the prodigal son. The prodigal son, he did not ask for the wrong thing. He asked for the inheritance. There was nothing wrong with that the only problem is is that he asked for the inheritance while his father was still alive and the inheritance was always given after his father was gone but see that was the order of things i die you get the inheritance that's the order but he wanted it his way so he said no i'm gonna do things outside of my father's order And I want it now. Give it to me now. And the father said, but son, this is not the order. I have to die first. But dad, I want it now. Okay, son, because God will give it to you. But it was out of order. And the prodigal son's life was a mess. Became homeless. Broken. Ended up in places he thought he'd never be. Doing things he thought he'd never do. Because when you go outside of the order of God, you're in for this world. And that's why so many of us today, we're praying, but our lives are outside of the order of God. And I will preach this without apology. But God has an order for life. It's in Genesis. A man will leave his parents, cling to his wife. The two will become one. They will be fruitful and multiply. That's the order. What do we see today? Now, let me live with them first without being married to make sure that it's going to work let me test drive the car, let me buy, let me get the milk before I invest in the cow, let me live with this person, let me do this outside of the order. And that's why you have people living together before they're married, you have people having kids before they're married. You have people, you have men with men and women with women and women that act like men and men that act like women because we have gotten the order of God and said, we're going to do it our way. And God says, "Have about it? But it's no wonder today there are so many families and broken homes and broken people living with this order because you have chosen not to pray, not to trust, the process, doing your way outside of the order of God, and then wonder why is my life so disordered. This isn't preached in the church. And I wish there were more people to hear it. When you step outside of the order of God, no matter how much you pray for something, you will have disorder. But here's the good news. The prodigal son came back to his senses and ran back to the father. And the father forgave him. And that's why I think God deserves some praise right now. Because no matter how disorderly your life might be, God says, if you come back to me and get things back in order and trust me, I can bless you. I can bless you. Trust the process when you pray. There's an order. Let me prove it to you. God shone light in the cell, woke up Peter, broke the chains, opened the door. Let me say it one more time. He brought light, he struck Peter, woke him up, got him up, broke the chains, opened the door. Light woke. Chained door. Say that with me. Light woke chains door. One more time. Light woke chains doors. He shunned light. He woke him up. He broke the chain. He opened the door. That's the order God did it. That's why it was the greatest prison escape of all times. Because Peter did it in the order of God. Light woke chains door. Because suppose God was not a God of order. And God would have opened the door, but there'd be no light. Well, then, Peter would never have been able to see that the door was open. Suppose the doors were open, but the chains were still on. It doesn't matter, and the light was on. It doesn't matter if he can see the door, and now he knows it's open. If he's in chains, he can't go through. Suppose the chain fell, the doors were open and the light was on, but he never got struck and woke up. He would have slept through the whole thing. That's why we serve a God of order. I do think that the right time because I am a God that's setting up the process, you have to trust me when I say there's light and I wake you up and the chains fall and the doors open. I do think periodically one at a time to get you where I need you to be. Can you trust The process, church. God is doing things little by little. It's a process. You trust Him, you trust Him, you follow His word. Prayer is done together with the church. Your prayers may not always be seen, but God is working like a duck. God is a God of order. So while you may be praying, you need to trust Him and His process. Stop telling God how old you are, what time it is, how long it's been. Don't you think that God who created the universe knows that already? say, Lord, I don't understand. But I trust your process. Father, do not open doors until you break chains. Because a lot of you want the Lord to open doors in your life, but you're still in bondage to sin. Makes no sense. You're saying, Lord, open the door and help me find the right man. But you're in chains and you're in bondage to a bad attitude. Good luck with that. God needs to open doors first, bring light to situations. He needs to break chains first. He needs to wake you up, and then he says, I'll open the door and get you out. You guys receiving this today? But well, let's be honest, prayer. Our prayers aren't always sincere. Verse 14 and 15. The church was praying. Praying for Peter. When she recognized Peter's voice, this is Rhoda, she was overjoyed. She ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. So let's just pause for a minute. Suppose right now, four fellowship gets together. We're praying and praying and praying for someone who's in jail. We're praying for Nancy. I don't know why, Nancy, you're in jail, but Nancy got locked up. We're praying for her. And we're praying, and you hear me say, Lord, I pray you release her. Lord, set her free. And all of us are praying and praying and praying. And there's a knock, and Nancy's at the door, and she's saying, guys, it's me. Guys, it's me. And one of the kids, let's say, Alizé, sees it's Nancy. She knows Nancy. She hears Nancy. She runs to us and says, guys, God answered our prayers. Guys, our prayer's about Nancy. She's at the door. And all of us look at Alice and say, Alizé yeah, Stephanie, control your daughter. She's crazy. And that's exactly what happened. They were praying for Peter. When Peter got set free and knocked at their door, and she was overwhelmed with joy, Rhoda said, God, it's Peter. I know it's Peter. I said, you're out of here. You're out of your mind. They told who? The church. Which shows me one thing. We read this story completely wrong. Because a lot of people say, look, no matter how bad or how impossible they were praying and they were praying for the impossible and they were believing for a miracle. Read it right. That's not true. Church, were they were they praying? Yes. But this shows me with conviction that sometimes I pray for things that deep down inside, I do not have the faith for. And this church was honest. When Peter came out the door, they were praying and praying for a miracle. When the miracle happened, they said, oh, you're out of your mind. Meaning, while this church was praying, deep down inside, they thought Peter was a dead man. Wasn't going to happen. And I wonder, if we get together to pray, you're praying for things. Deep down inside, you convince yourself it's not going to happen. It's not going to change. I'm going to pray. Lord, I know it's not going to happen. I'm going to pray to be healed, but I know I'm going to be sick forever. I'm going to pray for a spouse, but I know I'm going to die alone. I'm going to pray for this person to get saved, but I know they'll never be saved. Am I preaching truth today, church? How many of you pray for things? A deep down inside. You don't have the faith. If we're being honest as a church today, this might shock you. You guys ready? I don't blame you. We probably all would have done the same thing. Why? Because the Bible says Peter was not the only one locked up. It was James. But James was killed. They prayed with faith. I imagine this church got together. The first time they got together when James was locked up and Peter, they said, God, we're going to believe for miracles. We're going to believe that God's going to open doors and set them free. I don't know how, but we're going to pray that God influences our city and our governor and Herod, and he's going to just set him free. I don't know how, but guys, let's just hold hands and pray and believe. And someone came in, guys, they got James. He's dead. And they're like, he's dead. Wait, wait, God, but we were praying for James, and he died. That's why I don't blame you. Some of you have prayed for things and never happened. You prayed for someone that never changed. You prayed for healing but only got sick. You prayed, but it didn't happen your way. God didn't answer it your way. Because here's one thing about prayer. Sometimes prayer is done alone with the church. It's not always seen. sometimes God's not going to answer your prayers your way. I wish I could preach and show you somehow in just outline that somehow I know why James died, but I can't tell you why he died. We don't know why God allowed James to die, and why not Peter. But can I tell you that's wrong? You're not always going to understand why God does things certain ways. Why He allowed Peter to be alive and James to die, I will never know. But here's what we do know about God. Not only is He a, is he a God of order, but God works all things for good for those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. It's amazing how we lose faith like this church. Because of our past experiences or because of what happened to someone else. This church lost faith for Peter when James died. Some of you, you have lost faith in your prayers because of an experience of your past or because of the experience of someone else. They determined what would happen to Peter based on what happened to him. The devil loves you. The devil loves to discourage your faith and your prayer by lying to you, saying it this way. You're next. It happened to James. It's going to happen to you. It happened to so-and-so. It's going to happen to you. You're next. The demonic lie. If it happened to them, it's gonna to happen to you. You're next. That person lost their job. Believe me, the devil gonna say, you're gonna lose yours. That person's marriage fell apart. Yours is next. You're going to get divorced. That person's cancer returned. That person got sick and died. You're going to die too. Those people's kids, they never got back to the Lord. They never came back to church. You're next. That person there is prettier than you and still single. You're next. You'll be single and lonely forever. The devil tries to get us to a place of comparison to our parents and other people to determine the outcome of our situation. But we know God. God says in Galatians 6.4, and I'll close with this, each one should test his own actions, then he can take pride in himself without what? Comparing himself to some else. Stop determining the outcome of your life based on the outcome of someone else's life. And this church was praying, but deep down inside, they thought Peter was dead. It was over. It was hopeless. They even thought it was an angel. I mean, they thought it was just an angel. They didn't even think it was Peter. Because as they were praying deep down inside, they said, God's never going to do it. Because James died. And if James died, Peter's next. Well, I wonder how many of you are praying for this. That inside you say, I, I don't think God's going to You're comparing yourself to other people and thinking that what God did for them or hasn't done for them is going to happen. But as they were praying, I love God because God knew their faith wasn't sincere. God knew they didn't believe. It. God knew they're praying for this, but deep down inside, they don't think I could do it. And I wonder today, church, the prayers that be being offered to God right now that you're offering, not in faith, but in that. If God is looking at your prayers and He's holding them and He's saying, I know deep down inside, you don't think I can do it. God doesn't say, Well, I'm not going to do it then until you do it. Listen. God says, You don't believe me? I'm going to prove you. And I praise God because He has proven me wrong time and time again. And God was saying, You know, you're praying for this and you don't believe it. That's okay. Let me show you. And when you pray, miracles happen. I wonder how many of your prayers are dead. You stop praying for something. You stop praying for someone. You stop praying. It's time to get your prayers back. That's why I love Rhoda. Rhoda is in the Bible because she teaches us what prayer should look like. Rhoda is a little girl. A servant. But look at verse 14. This is the spirit of Rhoda, the faith that Rhoda had. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed and ran back with opening it, without opening it and explained Peter is at the door. Notice that she ran and said, Peter is alive. But church, here's my question. Did Rhoda physically ever see Peter at the door? What did she hear? His voice. That is faith like Romans Where you're telling God, God, I don't see it now, but I have joy because your word says it will happen. And she went by the voice and not by her sight because faith comes by hearing. And we live by faith, not by sight. And Rhoda did not have to see Peter to know her prayers were answered. And I want to tell someone here today, you may not see it now, but you better live like your prayers are being answered in heaven. You better live with joy and that great expectation that God is still working miracles. Give him praise in this house today. And I love it because in verse 15, Rhoda comes out. And they said, you're out of your minds. They told him. But when she kept walking, I love Rhoda. Stubborn. She could have conformed to the group. She could have said, no, you're right, you're right. What was I thinking? can't be Peter. You're right. He's dead. Hopeless. But she stood her ground and insisted, no. I know. You. Rhoda, you're crazy. I know he's alive. Rhoda, stop, he's dead. You're in denial. I am not in denial. I know I heard him. He's alive. And they kept on and on, discouraging her, putting her down, laughing at her. She never backed down and insisted. That's the faith of Rhoda. That even when people laugh at you, when people discourage you, when people tell you stop believing, it's never going to change. It's never going to happen. That you stand in the Word of God and faith and insist, My God will do the impossible because I serve a God. I serve a God that nothing is impossible. I don't care what you say. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the news says. I am going to stand and insist that the word of God is first. But my favorite part—I want you to stand up for this. So I'll stand up for this part because this is this is for my real people. Or my real people. Verse 16, I love this. I love this. But Peter kept on knocking. And when she opened the door, when they opened the door, you know why? Why? They got up and said, okay, let's go open the door so we can shut Rhoda up and show her she's wrong. Let's go, everyone. Church, let's go. Let's go to the door and let's show her she's crazy. She's out of her mind. She's just in denial. Let's go, church. And they were walking there to open the door and prove her wrong. And when they opened that door and saw Peter standing there, they said, they were amazed. Oh my gosh, she was, it's Peter. And I, I can imagine Rhoda says, I told you, God. Rhoda was right. You know why I love this part? Because I know that when God is done with me, He's going to prove all my haters wrong. How many want God to prove your haters wrong about you? Come on, let's stop being a little good Christian. Let's be real and say, Lord, I want you to finish your work so people in the world can see the haters and the deniers and the mockers can look at my life and I can stand with faith and giving you the glory. I told you so. That's why you can never let people discredit you. You keep insisting. You keep believing. You keep praying. Because one day, God's going to open that door once and for all. And you're going to stand there in amazement of what God does. And when that door opened and they saw Peter, they were amazed because they knew that we serve a God who breaks chains and opens doors and puts light in darkness and does the impossible when the world tried to stop Peter. God said, Peter, don't worry about the world. I got you because I said, Peter, on top of you, I'm going to build my church. And I'm not done with you yet. And if you're alive this morning in this church, and right now there's a breath in your lung, God is not done with you. There is a miracle happening. There are chains that are going to break. There are doors that are going to open. And in Jesus' name, with great humility, you, through God, are going to prove them all wrong. Come on, let's pray. Come on, give them praise today. It's time for your prayers to revive again. If you need prayer today, you come to this altar. Prayer. We're going to pray for Donnie. We're going to pray for people here that are lost and out in the world. We're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray for miracles. We're going to pray, Church. Come onto this altar. Should not just Kevin, really, Church? Really, Church? Pray, abode, impossible prayer pray and ask God to strike some people that need to wake up pray and say Lord I need some light in this darkness I need you to show me what to do you pray for God to open doors no man can shut you pray for chains that fall that have been in bondage in your life for sent for years you pray pray when people tell you it'll never happen Pray when they laugh at you. You pray when they discourage you. You pray when the world says it can't happen. And have the faith that Rhoda had The faith that says, I believe. Not because I see, but because I hear. I believe and I will insist in spite of what you tell me. I believe even when you laugh. I believe that God's going to open doors and amaze you. But some of you, your prayers have died. And they died because of James. Something happened in your life that got you to stop believing. But God says, I'm going to prove you wrong. Just like Rhoda proved all of them wrong. And he's going to answer your prayers his way. And I want you to pray prayers that get people to say like Rhoda, you're out of your mind." That phrase out of your mind means beyond logic and reasoning and comprehension. Pray something right now, church, that defies all logic in your life. Pray something that's so impossible you can't comprehend. Pray something that you know that only God can answer. Pray it now. What is it? Jesus, hear the prayer for miracles. Father, we pray for light in our darkness for those that need guidance. that don't know which way is up or down or where to go. Bring light in the darkest times of their life. Father, we pray for broken chains. Break the chains of addiction, sin, and bondage, and lust. Break the chains that have bound us from joy and freedom. Break the chains that only you can break. Break the chains that man has put on us. We're in bondage to people. People are in our path. People and their words. Break the chains in Jesus' name, Father, we pray. We pray for our lost ones in prison. Strike them to a point that they wake up and see you, Jesus. Father, we pray, the door's open. Get us out of things, get us out of situations we can't get out. Father, Father, do something that makes us feel like we're dreaming. but it's real. You know what that is for some, someone here too. For someone, it's a dream for them to see their child come to life. It's a dream for someone here to find someone here. It's a dream for someone to be healed. But oh, Father, we come to you in prayer. You grab the hand of that person next to you. Let's just pray now. As we give thanks this week for Thanksgiving, Father, I pray now for our church. Thank you that we can come together and pray. Thank you for our church family. And Father, as we pray, without anxiety, with thanksgiving. Take our request. Help us to get in order you. and answer our prayers as you see. Remove all fear and anxiety. In Jesus' name. Come on, say in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God some praise today. Come on, give Him some real praise. Amen, amen. Come on, hug that person next to you. Just tell them happy Thanksgiving. Your prayers are being answered. Come on.